Folks, you're not going to believe what just happened. I just got off the phone with our satellite streaming company in Seattle, Washington, and they work, it's Broadcast Matrix, the name of the country, uh, company, and they work with thousands of people just like Truth News Network. We do streaming radio programming. They do streaming live video programming worldwide, nationwide in the United States in the last 30 minutes. There has been a massive assault on the internet itself and they'd have no idea what it was we just did a quick roundabout with them to get the show on the air live golly i am so sorry we test every time we go on the air every every day here at tnn live before we go on the air about 20 30 minutes before we do a test in fact if you uh, ever want to catch us doing it um Tune into the show and hit the player button and just let it sit there and roll about 20 minutes till the show starts. And you'll hear us on there sometimes talking stupid, uh, but we're just testing to make sure the connections are good. At 20 minutes until 9 central time this morning, everything was okay. And then 10 minutes later, it was crazy. Nobody could connect anywhere, not just with broadcast matrix, but with satellite countries all around the, the world, they're telling me this. I'm no expert, but I apologize. When things like this happen, it makes us look bad. It makes us seem unprofessional. And uh, every once in a while, I'm sure you'll understand something happens that's a tad out of our control. And that's what happened to TNN Live this morning. But we're back in the saddle and I thank you for hanging in there with us. I'm sure you were kind of like, what's happening? What's happening? Every day at 9, the show rolls. We actually run it at straight up 9 o'clock. The uh, worldwide clock, we automatically, ours resets um, every morning at 6 a.m. I don't even know if you know that. There's a, uh, a world clock that you can set. And if you've got a watch or a clock or a computer with Internet access, that's the way Apple Prime example, if you've got an Apple iPhone, your phone stays the same. If you've got two or three different ones, you're going to see the clock is set and the second hand is even set the same. Some things sometimes are unexplainable, and this just happens to be one of those. So I think maybe there was a little bit of confusion built in because somebody somewhere didn't want us to talk about the things we have to visit with you about today. And there are some really important things. And every day it just seems like it's more and more critical for us to be able to find some facts, some nuggets to bring to you. Listen to this one, folks. Israel, the nation of Israel, announced overnight they are going to roll out a third dose of Pfizer's vaccine for COVID-19. A third dose. Now, why would they need to do that? Because Israeli scientists, biologists, 
doctors have found that the Pfizer's vaccine effectiveness has dropped. Now listen closely. It has dropped to 16%. 16% effective. That's all the Pfizer vaccine is now. So what does that mean, Dan? That means it's 84% ineffective. One of the nations in Israel, one of the nations that vaccinated the majority of its population, they launched an operation to administer a third dose of that vaccine to people over 60 years of age because infections soared with the new Delta strain and because studies show that the vaccine's effectiveness dropped to 16%, only six months after it was started. The Gertner Institute, which by the way is Israel's National Epidemiological Research Body, conducted research and they concluded the effectiveness of the Pfizer vaccine declined sharply, obviously, to 16%. That's pretty, pretty dadgum big decline. Dr. Amit Hooper of the Institute's Biostatistics said that lawmakers around the world, that you got to pay attention, they said, the government should not be panicked but should take the data seriously as its warning and it should not be ignored. Most of us do not believe a month ago we could be in this situation, but here we are, folks. We're in this situation in Israel, and what does that mean for you and me? It means we're probably um, we're probably in this with the Israeli people. They're way east of us, so they probably are running into this before us, so look, look out. I promise you, if Israel's effectiveness with Pfizer vaccines has dropped to 16%. You can book it. The same thing is going to happen to us here in the United States. So we'll, we'll keep our eyes on it for you. But also across the pond, a careful analysis of data that was presented by Public Health Scotland indicates that 87% of deaths from COVID, 87% of those, that came from COVID-19 infections in Scotland, the UK, 86, 87% of those occurred among vaccinated people. This means that people who've been vaccinated against COVID account for 87% of the deaths in the third wave of deaths in Scotland that have just started. This is insane, folks. This is insane. There, there were alarmist, extremist alarmists out there that were warning us about this was going to happen. There was more in this vaccine than we know. They pushed it on us so very quickly. Never before have we seen any vaccine rush to the marketplace without extensive, over a long period of time, human trials in which we could learn what the Adverse reactions were going to be. Well, the adverse reactions here in the United States since January 1st have killed 12,000 people that we know about. There's something sinister going on. And yet the push from the Washington, D.C. establishment is growing and growing and growing. And they're pretty much trying to do everything but force us to be vaccinated. What's the rush all about? I mean, what is the push to get vaccinated? They use a a reasonable conclusion and a purpose 
to get us all vaccinated so we won't get the virus. That is the easy sell. The hard sell is when we begin to ask questions. Well, what about this? Why Why is this happening? Uh, breakthrough infections? What's that all about? You didn't tell us there were going to be breakthrough infections. I just got a couple of notes from my buddy James Posey, who um, he was telling us about, he, he called it some hiccups in the sound, and he said that got fixed. I'm, Folks, I'm, I'm not kidding. I've never seen this happen before. We've had computer difficulty. We've had internet difficulty. We all have that from time to time, but I've never seen it happen like this. And on an international, not national scale, but international scale. So just bear with me, okay? Hang in there. We're going to get through this together. Somebody out there, doesn't want us talking about some of this stuff, no doubt about it. So we've got some more COVID news a bit later, masking and demands for this, and we're facing lockdowns again, and mandatory vaccines, all of those things are up in the air. What's the commonality in it all? You tell me, what's the common trait in this entire madness? It's fear. It's fear. So begin to ask some questions. And instead of as we normally do, we ask all these questions and we don't have answers for them and so we just panic. Instead of doing that, why don't we agree to do this for the balance of this week? Ask questions like we always do. And instead of just asking them in your own mind to yourself, why don't you do this? Why don't you pick up the phone and call us here at TNN Live? You know, we have some information that we can give out. We There's no way in two hours a day we can talk about all the important things that are out there regarding any topic that we bring up. It's just impossible. We could spend hours on each one of these little things, very important things that are going on. But if you've got a question, if you're asking yourself a question or someone is asking you a question and it's important for you to get an answer, let's share. 866-378-7884. 866-378-7884. I don't know about you, but there's no way I know everything. And I uh, learned a long time ago not to even try to because it's impossible. Nobody knows everything unless you're a divine being. Um, but collectively, in most cases, we can get our arms around the important issues especially. We can do that. Why don't we do it together? So who would think, who would think that in the midst of a pandemic, we would have people dying in the nation, big cities in the nation, at a higher rate from non-COVID-related illnesses to violence? Washington, D.C., in, in D.C., the District of Columbia alone, murders surpassed coronavirus deaths last month by a three-to-one ratio. Three-to-one, three times more homicides in D.C. than there were coronavirus deaths in July. 21 homicides throughout the month compared to eight coronavirus deaths. Now, there are two harsh numbers there. 21 murders in a month in one city. That's horrible. But did you catch the other number? Eight 
coronavirus deaths is all? If you listen to any of the news broadcasts that we watch and listen to every day about COVID-19 deaths, you would think we're all dying from COVID-19. We would think that there are hundreds of thousands of people dying every day across the nation. Did you know that since we began tracking this January 1st of this year, did you know that the deaths at the hands of COVID-19, just COVID-19 deaths, the rate of deaths, the daily death count, the mortality rate in the United States is down 25%. Now, what about all these numbers they're giving us, Dan? What, what does all that mean? I can tell you what it means. Look, let's put some things together. Let's do a daisy chain here. You've got the virus itself. There is no doubt if we isolate the virus, which by the way, did you know this? There's not a laboratory on earth. There are some, but we don't know where they are. But there is no research lab at any university, at any hospital in the United States that can get a naked molecule of COVID-19 to do a laboratory test on to determine all of its particles that make it what it is. Just a normal laboratory test. The CDC, they won't give any out if they have them. Why do you think that is? I don't have an answer for that, but that's out there. The virus is killing people. There is no question about it. And for those that get it, in many cases, really bad cases, they may never be the same again. There are so many conspiracy lines of thinking regarding every aspect of this that if we just launch in our thinking, in our attention every day, if we just launch in the direction of every one of these diversions, We'll never get anything accomplished in our lives, and we're going to be consumed with fear. I'm sure Walter Powell is listening into the show. He's with our satellite company up in Seattle, Broadcast Matrix. Walter is a good Christian brother. Walter doesn't let fear drive his life. He's one of the most positive people I've ever talked to, and we've never met. We've been on the phone numerous times. In fact, we were minutes ago. Uh, and incidentally, Walter, I want to thank you for picking up the phone call. It doesn't matter what time of day we ever need him. We can get him on the phone, but he's a Christian guy. I can tell you, I've not had this exact conversation with Walter, but in the context of what you and I are discussing right now, he's the kind of person, he doesn't let fear drive his boat. He just doesn't. He won't do it. He believes in a higher power. He also believes in All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Even the bad things all work out long term. The best is yet to come if you're a Christian. So putting that in perspective, think about that today when you're trying to deal with all of these unanswered questions and you're tempted to just get scared to death. Folks, there's enough stuff here to scare you to death. I mean, we're talking primarily at the beginning of the show today about COVID-19, but what about the story we just mentioned? 21 homicides 
in our nation's capital in one month. Trayvon White, who is a councilman of Ward 8 in D.C., in an interview yesterday, he said, we put a lot of resources and time into the COVID pandemic, he said. And he said that following July 16th killing of six-year-old Naya Courtney in his area, that's Ward 8 in Washington. We're in a pandemic right now, he said, when it comes to crime in this community, and we got to start acting on it. These numbers come as D.C. recorded 100 homicides by July the 10th. That's the earliest the city has ever hit that number since 2003. The union, the D.C. police union, claimed the average date over the past 10 years when the city hits 100 homicides is not until October 25th. And here we are, they hit it in late July. In 2019, 2018, the city hit 100 homicides in August, but the city reached the mark on July 12th in 2020. As of July 30th, a couple of days ago, there were 113 homicides in the city compared to 108 last year. Now, don't get me wrong. That means, as you just heard, the numbers of murders in D.C. are they're stark, they're dramatic each and every year. This year, it's ramped up a bit, and we can point to a lot of things. There's a lot of fear on the streets of our nation, folks. A lot of people are fearful. And it's almost impossible when you are consumed with fear, when we allow fear to take over our mindset. It's almost impossible to make good, clear choices about much of anything. And that carries over into area, every area of life. Now, most of you listening have never even thought about homicide in your own, in your own life. We don't, we don't roll in those circles. We just don't. But there are a lot of people that live in a world that's full of that, that's full of violence. That means thought life, environment, home life, family life. It's a specific possibility and in many cases a probability, sadly, in a lot of people's lives. And that begets a lot of fear. So the point of even mentioning this about the D.C. homicides this year is to tell you, look, don't let fear overtake your thinking. You can make a choice to not let it. Did you know that? Nobody can make you fear. They can try to make you fearful, but you'll never be fearful unless and until you choose to let that happen. Reject it. Refuse to accept it. Don't let it be part of your mindset. And when the temptation comes, think about about good things. Think about things. Go to your happy place. And then a long way from D.C. on the other side of the continent in Portland, cops are struggling there because they can't find police. Police who are willing to serve on a newly resurrected gun violence unit, which was dismantled over a year ago at the epicenter of the Black Lives Matter movement that just ripped Portland, Oregon to pieces. Oh, by the way, we're not investigating any of that. We're doing the January 6th thing that happened at the Capitol just because it happened at the Capitol. But you people up in Oregon, you're not worth looking into and finding out what was going on there. You people up in Seattle, the same thing. Minneapolis, 
Y'all handle it yourselves, but it's in Washington, and that's where all the heavyweight, important people that breathe American air live, right? They're the only ones that count. And so you can't come in our yard and mess it up. Well, that only applies if you're a conservative. If you're a far leftist, it's okay. We'll paint a street for you in your name. The once prestigious positions in that Portland's gun violence reduction team are now considered less desirable due to the added scrutiny that comes with the role. I mean, obviously, Ted Whelan, the mayor out there, he just knocked knocked the feet out from under everybody in law enforcement in his city day after day after day after day. The feds came in to protect the courthouse there, the federal courthouse. Whelan threatened Donald Trump, who was president at the time. Get these guys out of here. This is our city. We don't need you. Well, they weren't taking care of the people's property, the federal courthouse there. And it got so nutty, the state troopers came in and then they left because Whelan and his officials in Portland wouldn't back them up. They were arresting people for breaking Portland and Oregon laws. The state police were when they came in to help defend the people of Portland. And then the prosecutors in Portland were letting those people that had, in many cases, vandalized and even attempted murder, letting them leave, not even filing formal charges. So the state cops said, we're out of here. Well, I don't, don't think it'll come as a surprise that homicides have surged since that violence group from the police force was disbanded last summer. And that happened after the Portland City Council voted to slash the cops' bureau budget by $15 million. In the middle of the uptick in the gun violence, here comes the mayor, Ted Wheeler, again. And he proposed a new unit in March. And he renamed it. Of course, that's going to make everybody forget about the fact that he did away with the other one. They call this one the Focused Initiative Team. Where, oh where, Ted, did you come up with that? Focused initiative team. So they announced in May that there were 14 openings on the focused initiative team. Only four police personnel have applied. None have been assigned yet. Uncertainty around the new role is believed to have also slowed some applicants to the gun violence unit, you think? If authorities over you aren't going to back you up, you don't want to work for them. I mean, folks, we're talking about people, especially in Portland, when you go to work at night, if you're on a night unit, you're going out there literally putting your life on the line every day. And when you got a mayor, when you have a, a defender, a prosecutor in the town, in the city of Portland, and you have a mayor, and neither one of them will back you up as a law enforcement person. They look down on you. They consider you a evil entity that they've got to deal with and nothing more. You don't want to work for somebody like that. Because officials railed against that old unit for alleged racial profiling, job qualifications for this new group include, quote, the ability to identify and dismantle, guess what, institutional and systemic racism in the Bureau's responses to gun violence. 
They're demonizing and vilifying you. And then they want to put you in a unit where you're under an even bigger microscope. This is Daryl Turner talking, leader of the Portland Police Association. Portland has seen 53 homicides this year, putting it on track to pass the all-time high of 70 back in 1987. Officers were redeploying to ongoing violent demonstrations in government buildings that stretched from last summer until early this year, even into January. A sense of lawlessness grew up there. Neighborhood patrols suffered. Officers grew more hesitant to conduct preventative investigative stops. When the politicos won't let you do your job, what you're trained to do, they know better. They're elitist. And just because you're a cop and wear a badge, you start off being evil to them. Why would anybody want to work in that environment? Wow. I certainly wouldn't. We have so much more to get into today, and if you uh, missed the first part of the show, so did I. (laughs) The first part didn't work, and I apologize. It was technical difficulties that had nothing to do with us here, and we're just thankful that all of a sudden the Internet stuff straightened out. We use a company. uh, I I don't want to get into technical speech about um, what's involved in doing this broadcast. If you know anything about Mac. Mac products, um, everything we do is is via Mac. This show is actually uh, put together on an iMac GarageBand, which is a, a really cool audio feature that lets you um, put a bunch of different elements together. You can do a recording project. You can do what we do here, add elements. And um, then we connect through a, a, um, an IT piece, a software piece called Audio Hijack, And that streams to the broadcast entity through a couple of satellite bounces between here and Seattle, Washington. And then they blast it out all over the world over satellite. Isn't that cool? Well, I'm sure you can understand that every once in a while, something along that line, it's a piece of electronics, folks, and something along that line either gets a hiccup or has a cold or it sneezes at the wrong time. And I think at about one minute till 9 a.m. Central Time today, (laughs) whatever in the line it was, it sneezed. But I'm glad you're back. We got a bunch more to unpack. You don't want to miss it either. We're going to get into the Hyde Amendment. Yeah, you remember what the Hyde Amendment's all about? It's all about abortion. That's next at TNN Live. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids, only at Carl's Jr. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive 
our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever. Schneider. The beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo. But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways, fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, The Truth News Network. So what's in the future? What do you expect is going to happen? What do you, uh, let's look at the next 30, 45 days, and then let's look at uh, six months, and then a year, and then 18 months. Why don't you today, at some point during your day, let's do that. Take the next six weeks, 45 days, and just write down on a piece of paper, just kind of the two or three things that you think or predict that probably there's a better chance that it will than it won't happen during the next 45 days, then do it for 90 days, then for six months, then a year, and then do it for 18 months. And you know what'll happen? When you start putting specifics out there with specific dates and times, and you may be wrong, that's not the point here. The wrong, the, the, the purpose of that is, is just for you to think ahead and think about what might happen. And then as you come back two or three days later, 30 days later and read your list, you'll shake your head because you'll look back. And especially if you're a person that's struggling with fear right now and concern, and we're all concerned, but when we let it go across the line to fear, when you let fear drive your thought process, it's really difficult to be objective. When you look back and you see that you were fearful for nothing, you'll understand a bit better what fear can do to us. And there are a lot of people that just don't know how to stop from happening. It just takes over their lives. We have um, a brilliant young woman in our extended family, and uh, she is amazing. She has two children, um, a boy and a girl. They're precious, two of the most beautiful kids I've ever seen in my life. And if you knew who I'm talking about and her husband, you'd understand why they had two beautiful children. But she's had some medical problems the last few years. And uh, she is petrified about COVID-19, scared to death, not so much for her as she is for their two children. And I mean, she is frantic. She wants, now these kids are five and 10 and she is desperate to get them a vaccine get approval to go ahead and get them vaccinated. 
And because she hasn't been able to get it done, she's frantic. And I'm just pointing to that to illustrate to you that we can get so caught up in the fear piece that it's really tough for us to make good choices. Now, I'm not saying anything pro or con about in her situation, their two kids. I think it's too early for them to even be considering it. And there's too much unknown about the vaccines. And then when you put that in the context of what we just told you about what's happening with the Pfizer vaccine in Israel, it's less than 16% effective now. And because of that, they're giving a third shot to elders in Israel age of 60 and above. That should definitely bring a pause to all of us to stop, slow down, and think through before we make hasty, fearful decisions. Now, what about this Hyde Amendment? Do you know the story behind the Hyde Amendment? Well, the Hyde Amendment, what it does, it's really not an amendment. It was a bill that was put out years ago whenever Roe v. Wade came in and the Supreme Court made uh, abortion legal nationwide. Even many of the people that believe that that is okay, and then a lot of other people that are pro-life, not pro-choice, don't want to see the federal government using tax dollars to pay to fund federal abortions. And hundreds of millions of dollars go to the biggest abortion mill in the nation, which is Planned Parenthood. And so the Hyde Amendment, as it's called, it was was non-passed into law, but it's always been hanging out there And every Congress has always honored that. It blocks federal dollars from paying for abortion coverage, and it's been doing it for decades now. But it's about to change. It's not a surprise that money dictates policy in D.C. Want to understand how a given lawmaker or presidential administration feels about a particular issue? (laughs) Follow the money. Look to how much money or how little money they devote to a specific project. If they spend a bunch of money from the federal coffers on a particular program at all, it means they're in the tank for it. Quid pro quo in almost every case. What does that mean? We'll do this piece of legislation for you or we'll honor this executive order if you support us. You got it? Well, that's why the Hyde Amendment's been a part of every government spending bill since 1976, just after the Supreme Court Roe v. Wade case. It's named after late Representative Henry Hyde. He was a Republican in the House from Illinois. Hyde is known for two things. He chaired that House Judiciary Committee from 95 to 2001. And he was the lead House impeachment manager for Clinton's 99 impeachment trial. He also crafted the Hyde Amendment, barring the government from spending money on abortions. And there were very few before, during, and since Congressman Hyde was in office that were more ardent pro-lifers. It violates your right to be born. That's what he said on the House floor during the summer of 95 about abortion. Your right to life which our Declaration of Independence says is a fundamental endowment. It is inalienable, the right to life. But the Hyde Amendment also represented a form of 
congressional detente, pro-choice and pro-lifers reached a deal during the 70s. Now, what the deal was, it prohibited the funneling of federal dollars to Medicaid or to the Children's Health Insurance Program called CHIP for abortion services. And so, like most government deals, <laughs> it was negotiated every every two years, as Henry Clay might say, to hurt. <laughs> the Hyde Amendment made sure both sides took it on the chin. Although both pro-choice and pro-life advocates alike, they're going to argue their side absorbed more of an impact than did the other. Pro-lifers want to eliminate abortions permanently. The Hyde Amendment certainly didn't do that. A proposal to ban abortion would probably never make it out of the House of Representatives, certainly would out of this one, even when there's a Republican majority. But that's to say nothing of overcoming a filibuster in the Senate. Meantime, pro-choice lawmakers used the Hyde Amendment. They thought it was unfair for women who rely on health care assistance from the government. The Hyde Amendment, of course, stopped that. Well, it didn't. They want to say it did because it takes away federal dollars to pay for abortions. But it doesn't have any say-so in whether to abort or not. We believe that who you are, where you live, your zip code, your income, should not determine whether you have coverage for the basic part of reproductive health care. That's according to Rachel Fay of the Power to Decide, a group that works to prevent unplanned pregnancies. However, and there's always a but, Democrats have now stricken the Hyde Amendment from the House version of the Labor, Homeland, uh, Health Securities, Health and Human Services. I'll get it right. HHS Appropriations Bill. The full House approved a multi-spending package late last week to fund the government for this coming fiscal year. And that plan included the Labor HHS Appropriations Bill without the Hyde Amendment attached. I am proud that this bill promotes equal treatment for women through increased funding for Title X and by repealing the discriminatory Hyde Amendment. That's according to House Appropriations Committee Chairwoman Rosa DeLauro, a Democrat from Connecticut. But I do believe repealing the Hyde Amendment is the best thing we can do to support our mothers and families and help prevent rather than penalize unwanted pregnancies and later riskier and more costly abortion. Faye called it a game changer. But upending 45 years of federal policy enraged pro-lifers, as you can imagine. There are non-starters. There are game-enders. That's Chuck Fleshman, a Republican out of Tennessee. This is a real red line for the Republican conference. That's Tom Cole, Republican of Oklahoma, the top GOP or on the House Appropriations Committee. Nancy Pelosi, she tipped her hand on the Hyde Amendment at a December 2020 press conference Way before I was in Congress, she said, the Hyde Amendment was there. I was thinking, how can we get rid of that? So it's long overdue getting rid of it, in my view, said Pelosi. So she forecast that the Democrat House would craft a bill to torpedo the Hyde Amendment in the coming year. But then there's this annual appropriations process. Got to figure out how much they can spend and what they can spend it for. 
It's pretty complicated. It was historically significant that that committee in the full House halted the Hyde Amendment. But then there's the Senate, folks, and annual spending bills have to clear two rounds of filibusters with 60-vote thresholds to do it. And that needs to happen twice. You've only got 50 Democrats in the Senate. Hmm. So despite the House action, very few believe that ending the Hyde Amendment is ever going to survive the Senate. But I just wanted you to know, it's out there. It's out there. Now, speaking about some more uproar, do you know who Sean King is? Now, there are a bunch of Sean Kings. We actually had a coach in the Arena Football League. I think he was an assistant coach. name was Sean King. He spelled his name S-H-A-W-N. This Sean King, S-H-A-U-N, is a former Black Lives Matter Marxist, and he was a leader in the movement. Turns out now, Sean is accused and has been multiple times of taking money donated to social justice causes, and he purchased a mansion worth about a million bucks, just shy of a million, in New Jersey late last year. According to official records, his wife bought a North Brunswick, New Jersey, five-bedroom property. It has a lakefront backyard and a gourmet kitchen valued, the house is, at somewhere between eight fifty and a million dollars. The price tag is above the median home value of two hundred seventeen five in New Brunswick. It's a small town, forty one thousand, it's forty five percent white, twenty four percent Asian, twenty percent black and nineteen percent Hispanic, much smaller percentages of other races. The former BLM leader, which he was, has been accused on multiple occasions of having embezzled money that he raised on behalf of African-American victims of police violence. And he uses that reputation as a civil rights activist for black America. Info from April of this year also placed Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors in the middle of the controversy. She acquired three mansions worth $3.2 million, and she did so in majority white neighborhoods. Now, I'm not going to get into Sean King's background. He is, uh, he, he's something else. He's been all, all across the spectrum of whoever, from a preacher to a uh, embezzler, alleged embezzler. Last year, he raised $1.5 million to found a left-wing newspaper, the North Star, and received donations from a bunch of Hollywood celebrities. Suddenly, 14 months later, the project shut down. Now, according to the New York Post, some of the former North Star employees use terms such as liar and fraud, really shady business and self-sabotage, talking about Sean King and his handling of that money. But the former pastor blamed his failure on being overly ambitious and ultimately failing to deliver. Samaria Rice, whose 12-year-old son named Tamir, was shot and killed by police in Cleveland in November of 2014. Also called King an imposter on social media, accusing him of soliciting money in her dead son's name without her permission. Washington, excuse me, New York Post investigators also found that Sean, along with Patrice Cullors, 
founded a PAC, a political action committee called Real Justice in 2017, that in two years, in 2019 and 2020, raised more than $3.2 million purportedly to fight to end structural racism. Of those funds, Real Justice doled out $460,000 in consulting fees to three companies, Social Practice LLC, Bernal Alto LLC, and Middle Sea Consulting LLC, which are controlled by some members of the PAC itself, including Treasurer Rebecca Bond. Other PAC payments included forty-six grand to Janiah and Patrice Consulting, a company run by Colors and his wife, Janiah Khan. Those payments were made between 2017 and 2020. Coincidentally, two days before the New York Post published its report on the July 19 mansion purchase, Sean King shut down his Twitter account. Go figure. Go figure. So where do you stand? Where do you stand on this mask mandate coming in? I mentioned this yesterday on this show, and I'm going to bring it up again. In the context of wearing masks, I mean, there are a lot of situations, a lot of circumstances that we can think of. They're in our faces every day. We see it happening. Where you, you really need to wear a mask. If you're a surgeon, when you go into an operating room, you're going to cut somebody open Everybody in the room's definitely going to wear a mask. You don't want to breathe or sneeze or have something from your body fall into an open surgical wound, obviously. That's just one thing. Think about automobile paint booth. When you're in there spraying that really fine spray and Just imagine all the content of the paint that you're spraying on these cars or whatever you're spraying. you got to wear a really airtight mask to make sure you don't breathe any of that in. What if you're a fireman working on a fire? You're going to wear a mask. We can think of reasons to wear a mask. But here's the puzzling thing. If you look at the mask that we're told we need to wear regarding what they have termed to be the worst virus in world history, COVID-19. Look at the cloth mask you've been wearing since the pandemic began. Most of it's cloth, even if it's not cloth, if it's some other material that makes it, comprises it. Does it seem to you like that's sufficient for you to wear in light of the fact that this is the most deadly disease in world history, which it's not, but that's the perception they're painting, And if you don't wear a mask, I mean, oh my gosh, the President of the United States actually said, we have a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And of course, that same concept applies to the way they look at people that don't wear masks. We have published at TNN, truthnewsnetwork.org, we have published multiple stories that are actually just verbatim the laboratory test of numerous of these mask through history that are supposed to stop whatever you're there put out there and made to stop. And in the case of COVID-19, there's not a single mask sort short of a completely self-contained mask that includes breathing oxygen from a tank. That's the only one that can even possibly stop 
COVID-19, which means COVID-19 transmission from person to person. Why, if they really believe this this vaccine, excuse me, this virus is that deadly, why would they even tell us that we should not be wearing a mask like that, the ones that you wear when you're in a paint booth? And then let's just carry it one step further. We now have a mask date in Louisiana. Our governor Yesterday, he came out and said indoor masking is mandatory, effective August 4th. That's tomorrow. Or is it today? It's tomorrow, August 4th. And it's for the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, unless you're in your own home. And he said that while the average seven-day death rate from the virus in our state is 14 in seven days. Do the math. That's two a day. Governor Edwards, he said this yesterday, I am reinstating Louisiana's statewide mask mandate indoors for all people ages five and up as COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations continue to rise across the state, threatening the ability of the hospitals to deliver care. Face masks that properly cover the wearer's mouth and nose should be worn indoors at all times unless a person is in a home under the governor's statewide mask mandate, which will be in place until at least September 1st. State Health Officer Dr. Joseph Cantor, he said he reviewed the data and showing the Delta variant is more than twice as transmissible as the original strains of COVID-19. Over the weekend, he said, this is Dr. Cantor, we reviewed new data from the CDC showing that while vaccination reduces one chance of becoming infected with COVID, those who do become infected with the Delta variant, despite being fully vaccinated, are likely at risk of transmitting it to others. This new info and the other recent data showing the Delta variant is more than twice as transmissible bolster our recommendation to the governor to put a universal mask mandate in place immediately. Yesterday in San Francisco, another mask mandate. The average death rate there, 0.14%. Think about that. Everybody, a million people and more, got to wear a mask. The average death rate is 0.14%. Monday's announcements come shortly after D.C.'s mayor mandated the same measures last week in which the city currently has a 0.43% seven-day average death rate. When the White House was questioned yesterday as to why vaccinated individuals must wear face coverings, Press Secretary Jen Psaki stated the recommendations were due to the transmissibility of the virus. She said, because the public health leaders in our administration have made the determination based on data, that is a way to make sure they're protected. Their loved ones are protected. That's an extra step given the transmissibility of the virus. Does it, Am I the only one that thinks this? They don't have any answers. 
They don't have any answers for any of these things that come up almost on a daily basis. In fact, they do come up on a daily basis. And because they don't have any, because they're in government and everybody's looking to these experts on all of this, including Jen Psaki, who has no medical background or education, but she passes along stuff that's passed along to her. And those are the things that are crippling when it comes to trying to get to the truth. I mean, at least they used to march out Dr. Fauci and put him on a podium in front of a microphone. And he had a little more credibility. People were listening to him. Yeah, and we listened to him far too many times and far too long before his flip-flops became of epic proportion sufficient to stop believing him. But doesn't it seem the yo-yo effect that we're all living in right now when it comes to quote-unquote expert advice regarding COVID? They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about, or they know what they're talking about and they're purposely confusing the American populace. Did you hear what Fauci said yesterday? He actually said it on Sunday on, I think, three different Sunday morning interview shows, three different network shows. He actually said this. Listen closely, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the exact quote in front of me. But what he said was, we have found in the nasal passage, the, the, the upper inside of our nose, that's where they test. If you've had the original test, I mean, they cram, <laughs> they cram a long, long acoustic tip way up into your nose to get a swab from there. That is where the COVID-19 particles, they like to live in that environment up in our nasal passages that they have discovered with this Delta variant out there, when they do that test on a person that's been vaccinated for COVID-19 and begins to show some symptoms of COVID-19 after the vaccination, that they're finding the same concentration of COVID virus particles in that person's nose as they find when they do the same test on a non-vaccinated COVID-19 symptomatic individual. Now, I'm glad he's telling us that because it obviously is the truth. I think it's important for us to get the truth, and I'm glad he's doing that. But in doing so, what is he doing? He's telling us the vaccine, in some cases, doesn't work. He's actually... um, He's enforcing our concerns about the misinformation and the wrong information that we've been being given. I don't get it, folks. I don't understand it, and I don't understand we as sheeple, tens of millions of us just run to listen to all the information and the advice that they give us. And we just swallow it hook, line, and sinker. And in many cases, people aren't asking questions. That really bothers me. Folks, if you want, if you want good information, if you have questions and you want some good answers, you, first of all, you got to ask them. And you got to ask them to the right person. And if you don't get the answer, 
any answer, not necessarily the one you want, just the truth. You go somewhere else and ask a question again and again and again and again. Instead, seems like because of fear principally, we stop asking the questions and we just benignly fall in line. That's scary. And in many cases doing that, it's fatal. You know it is. Talking with you, not at you. Intelligent Conversation. TNN, the Truth News Network. Don't you want money for nothing? Yeah, you do. What's the catch? There is one. Anyone who wants it can have it. You just have to ask for it. Our three-day sleepaway camp is the perfect place to strike it rich. Who are we? Well, we're the number one dream makers in the region. And you are a motivated, driven, confident individual who has a desire to make it big. Run! Don't walk! Get your heart rate above 120. This is exciting. This offer is just for you because you deserve it. Come alone. So don't wait. The early bird catches the worm, and the worm is a bus at 143 Industrial Way that leaves at dawn. So grab Destiny by the horns. Go on. Grab it. It's yours for the taking. Money for nothing. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. Well, CNN, a bastion of independent truthfulness and journalism, came out this morning and they said, guess what? Cloth masks don't work. And so what we have to do is we have to go to N95 masks. Now, what are those? Those are the ones that really get after it and cover your face. They don't have oxygen in it, but they have that big filter that sticks out the front. You look like a, a space Uh, alien, when you wear one of those, they're saying that's what we're going to have to go to and not just unvaccinated people. You know, the evil ones that don't care about anybody around them. Uh, CNN, of course, they know. I mean, they're CNN, Cable News Network. They were the first in cable news. Oh, my gosh. And then here we are, folks. Here we are. We let in over 200,000 illegals cross our border in one month, in the month of July. And every day now, people are slipping out of our government. Border Patrol and ICE, (laughs) a lot of them are quitting their jobs or they're getting laid off. And they're telling us there's no testing going on down there. And the fact that we're being told that there is some testing going on of those that come across the border that it's not truthful. If it is, it's very sporadic and they don't know and there's no mask mandates and people have, in many cases, masks around their necks but they don't have them covering their nose and mouth and they can't police it. They don't have enough people. Uh, Let me just go out on a limb here and tell you something. You remember when Bill Clinton was impeached? Were you aware of what was going on in the world around you at that particular time? When was that? Uh, That was a about the time of his uh, second term in office, when they were running for office, transitioned through, and then the impeachment trial took 
took place. The Ken Starr investigation, they recommended 110 different things he could be impeached for, but they picked three. And uh, of the three charges that he was tried for, one of them was basically for suborning perjury. In other words, what he was trying to do was get somebody, and it had nothing to do with uh, uh, anything specific, the Monica Lewinsky. It didn't have anything to do with that. It had to do with a previous uh, Paula, what's her name? I forget her name. Arkansas girl that uh, came out and accused him of sexual battery or sexual assault or whatever. And somebody testified in that trial against him, and he tried to get that person not to testify and speak truthfully. That is called suborning perjury. Let me tell you what's happening in this administration right now. Suborning means to, uh, in some dramatic fashion, some way other than just not doing anything, but kind of enticing people to do something That's called suborning they're doing it, whatever it is. I'm going to tell you this, folks. Joe Biden is suborning felony criminality in the tens of thousands of cases because he is instructing people in his administration to every day, all day long, all the time, to not enforce federal immigration laws. He has no authority in doing that, none whatsoever. He's violating his oath of office. He is breaking federal criminal statutes again and again and again. And there are severe penalties in federal laws for those who do these things in multiple cases. That's the president of the United States. He is suborning immigration criminality. Now, do you think he'll ever be held accountable for any of that? And, of course, the obvious thing is, of course he won't. Well, folks, we don't know that. We don't know that. I think maybe um, many Americans hope that happens. But I I don't think this thing can keep going down the road the way it is. I think it's getting so far out of hand that everybody is waking up and they're every day. It just seems like people I talk to, they're getting a little more fed up, bordering on anger. And through the emotional process of being a human being, when the same thing rubs you the same way today, 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 every today, when the clock and the calendar turns, you finally reach a tipping point where you said, enough's enough. I'm not fearful, but I believe this is all going to come to a head at some point in the very near future. And it may not just be a single head, it may be multiple, but there are going to be some really egregious circumstances that we have to deal with around the nation that we didn't think would ever happen here. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know anything, I just feel into my spirit and have for some time. And every day it seems like some new bit of news comes out that just exacerbates the way people feel and the desperation and anger. Immigrants, this is one of those instances. Immigrants who have entered the U.S. illegally 
or one step closer to working for the federal government. You can't make this up, folks. Democrats use their majority in Congress to pass what's called House Resolution 4346, 215 votes for, 207 against. Now, this legislation permits hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens who came here through the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, DACA, you know what that is. It's allowing them now to work on Capitol Hill. This bill includes language permitting the legislative branch agencies to fund and employ DREAMers who hold employment authorization under the DACA program. Of course, the bill still got to go to the Senate to be approved before it can be enacted. The DACA employment provision was buried deep within the legislative spending bill. Here you go again. They don't want us to look at the detail. You ever wonder why they don't pass out like this infrastructure bill that's being considered this week? 2,705 pages. Who the heck in Congress can even possibly take the time to read this entire bill before they vote on it? That's what they want. They don't want us to see the contents. They want to tag a name on it and give us, uh, you know, a highlight reel or a bunch of bullet points that they handpick or include the important parts of the bill, but they don't want us to see it all. This employment provision was buried deep within that spending bill. The revelation came as Senate Democrats intended and tried to grant amnesty to millions of illegals through the spending package. It was unclear whether they would attract enough support for the measure at the time of the publication. There are an estimated 800,000 DREAMers, kids that were brought here illegally, who were protected from deportation during Barack Obama's administration. A federal judge recently ruled DACA is unconstitutional and ordered the Biden administration to detain all of the program's applicants. Think about that. Estimated to be 800,000 800, people. They were kids. None of them are kids today. President Biden and fellow Dems responded by proposing a new path to citizenship in the budget package. Go figure. We're going to ignore the laws. We're going to thumb our noses at it. And what we're going to do is we're going to try to take our majority in the House, although it's slim, and we don't have a majority in the Senate, but we have a vice president that's a Democrat that breaks all ties in voting, and we're just going to legalize them all, and then they can't do this other thing. However, Senator Bob Menendez, a Democrat from New Jersey, he says he sees no path forward for this amnesty plan. He believes a provision must first be introduced in a filibuster-proof reconciliation bill that would need 51 votes in the Senate. So, in a really dramatic twist, Senator Kirsten Sinema, who's a Democrat from Arizona, she vowed to oppose the $3.5 trillion budget that Democrats need for this amnesty plan. And this could deprive the party of the 50 votes it needs in the Senate to pass it through reconciliation. This, of course, arguably casts further doubt about the deal's feasibility. So do you see when we're talking about these kind of numbers and the precipice all this massive spending puts us on? Um, 
it puts us out there in a really precarious spot. And one vote here, one vote there, folks, keeps us out of the way of trillions of dollars of needless, wasteful spending by our government. When we start talking about these illegals that flood the nation continually every day, when we put that in the context of life for average Americans, it's incomprehensible to understand the angst and the anger. We used to believe and trust in all those people that work for us in Washington, D.C., or most of them. We had policy differences, but fundamentally we gave everybody the benefit of the doubt. As you're a good person, sometimes you just think some things are good that are really bad and vice versa, and we disagree on those, but we're going to work through them. It's getting every day where you can't even possibly reconcile that thought process. You just can't do it because there's so much out there. I would say 75% of what we hear coming out of our government in D.C. makes absolutely no sense. There's no reason. There's no justification in the common perspective of the American people. And it's all about quid pro quo. I want the power. I demand I'll have the power. I demand our party get and maintain the power to control everybody's lives. And we don't care what that means to everybody we're controlling or trying to control. We don't care. You're insignificant. We're the ones who control and have all the power. That's what they're saying. And so Americans are just besides themselves. I mean, this this Biden thing, as I said, it's suborning criminality, breaking willy-nilly every day of criminal immigration laws. Jen Psaki yesterday, she tried to explain this, especially within the context of letting all the COVID-19 immigrants through without even knowing who has it and who doesn't. And I mean, for... Legal Americans, everyday Americans that we live here, we're citizens, we're hardworking people, they'll shut us down at the drop of a hat if we sneeze on an airplane and our mask is not up covering our noses and mouths, they'll throw us off a plane. But last month, they let almost a quarter of a million illegals across the border and shipped them around the nation without a single thought to whether or not these people are COVID-19 positive. Go ahead. And about public health at the border, is the president concerned that migrants uh, who are coming in in great numbers are not being tested for COVID at their first point of contact with Border Patrol? Well, let me give you a little bit of an understanding of what actually happens when people come across the border. First, as She's gonna to read Katie's now. earlier question, uh, there's been no change in Title 42, so families and single adults are expelled, if possible, when apprehended at the southern border. That's step one. Uh, those who can't be expelled are often placed, and this is, I think goes to your question, in alternatives to detention programs while their cases are being reviewed. CBP uh, provides migrants with PPE from the moment they are taken into custody, and migrants are required to keep masks on at all times, including when they are transferred or in the process of being released. Our other protocol is if anyone exhibits signs of illness in CBP custody, they're referred to local health systems for appropriate testing, diagnosis, isolation, and treatment. That is our process. The process. Oh, she reads so well, doesn't she? She flips that notebook open to the appropriate page. Did you catch that little thing there on the end? If and when 
somebody is tested and they're found positive, what we do, our process says, we turn them over to local health care managers. They're the ones that are going to test and treat them. Folks, 200,000 plus came in last month, one month. Where did they come in? The border, of course. They're accosted, primarily most of them at the Texas border. So what does that mean, the local health care management? That's Mac Allen. That's Del Rio. That's El Paso. The local health care systems, what are those? Well, they're, several of them are private entities, but most of them are public entities. And who pays for that? The taxpayers of Texas. The federal government just says, oh, here you go. We got a sick in here. You take them and test them and you pay for everything. And if you can get them eligible for Medicaid, the government will help you pay for them. No consideration for the rule of law to start off. None whatsoever. No consideration for the people of Texas or New Mexico or Arizona or California. The taxpayers in those states and the rest of us around the nation are footing the bill for Joe Biden's political partisan hackery to try to bloat the Democrat Party. They're going to try within their power to rush. Somehow they've got to regain control of the House and the Senate in 2022 so they can finally make all of these illegals they're letting come in with no kind of provisions in place to keep us safe from whatever they bring in with them. Forget about the fact that the number one killer in the United States today per capita are illegal drugs that come across with a lot of these people. Forget about that. We want to have them here so we can vote them. We can get them voting. They're going to vote for us every time. So then in the same press conference, we launch into the um, shutdowns because regardless of what they want to tell us, folks, there are serious conversation that's been going on, still is going on about another major lockdown. And of course, Joe Biden, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to lock down. We're not going to lock down. But then as minions around the, case, uh, around the nation, they're planting little particles, little seeds of, well, yeah, we're, we're going to, we're uh, as a state, we're considering doing lockdowns. As a com- company, big company, we're considering doing lockdowns. As a military, I mean, what they're doing is they're dropping these little nuggets out there around stating, you know, you need to think about locking down. Now, the federal government's not going to lock you down. But you and I both know if the federal government wants something to happen, they have the ability to put pressure on all the local and the regional and the state politicos that have to be in the loop to instigate any kind of specific, especially an egregious piece of executive order or government mandates. They're going to do everything they can within their power to lock us down. Oh, but not according to Jen Psaki. On Friday, the president was asked whether Americans should expect more guidelines coming out uh, because of COVID, because of the Delta variant, and he said, in all probability. So, what's on the table? 
I, I'm not. I, obviously, the president is uh, keeping the option open of uh, making sure that he is uh, that the CDC and our public health officials uh, can make recommendations on what's needed to keep the American people safe. I'm not in a position to preview that uh, or to get ahead of any decisions they may make. Uh, what I can reiterate, though, is and you heard Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins reiterate this this weekend. Uh, we've been clear we're not going back to the shutdowns of March of 2020. Uh, we are not going back to the economy shutting down. We've made too much progress. Too many people are vaccinated. There's been too much progress on the economic front. But again, uh, he has said from the beginning that we are going to be guided by the science, guided by our public health experts, and we're not going to take options off the table of what they may recommend. What you just heard her say was at the federal level. Now, she didn't say that, but the inference was totally all. President Biden, he's not going to do this. But we're going we're gonna to make sure that the officials at the CDC, even the ones that, you know, they say one thing and then they change it the next day. Now, Walensky, the head of the CDC, she's doing that. She came out and made it very clear over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, we're contemplating doing lockdowns again. And minutes later, it comes out, well, she didn't really mean that. So it's one of two things, folks. It's either they're seeding the ground to let us know, hey, we're thinking about this so that when they do it, whatever it is, in this case lockdowns, we're not ever going to be able to say, well, you didn't think it might would happen. Look, we we floated this out there here and here and here, and here's the sound bite. You just heard Saki say, that's not in our plan. That's not in our plan. But you know, we're watching the circumstances. And we're going to do what's best for the American people. That's what we're going to do. Hey, we're going to go to a break, but you don't want to miss what's coming out of the break. First thing, guess what? Big news out of New York State, and it ain't good news for Governor Cuomo. Hmm, what might that be? Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six-month-old aged cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius. No delicious. No both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry. This is this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The five-dollar toasted cheddar chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra. Drinks excludes freezes. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? 
It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. When fake news threatens the fabric of the nation, you have a choice. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, let me apologize for the technical difficulties we had to start the show today. Out of our hands, um, internet-based and not with our internet service providers, not with our satellite company that streams this program worldwide, but uh, somewhere else. Woo, conspiracy. <laughs> conspiracy. I got to be honest with you, I'm just tickled to death that we, we're here with you. Big news out of New York just minutes ago. New York's Attorney General Letitia James announced that her office's investigation into sexual harassment allegations against Governor Andrew Cuomo, her office has concluded they have found that Cuomo indeed did sexually harass multiple women. The AG's probe, which included interviews with almost 200 people, found that Cuomo harassed current and former staff members from 2013 to 2020. She said this in a statement. Now, you got to put this in context. Letitia James, she's the attorney general. She wants to be governor of New York. (laughs) I wonder how much of that desire on her part plays into this. She said this is a sad day for New York because independent investigators have concluded that Governor Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women, and in doing so, broke the law. That's the key three words. They have concluded that he broke the law. So what happens next? Well, it's the New York State Department of Justice. She's the head of the Department of Justice in New York. She is the Attorney General of the state. So what should happen next? Well, I can tell you, I guarantee you she's already got it made up in her mind what they're going to do, but if he did indeed break the law, charges are going to have to be filed against him. By whom and at what level and what for? I don't know what New York statutes say regarding the definition of sexual harassment. Um, In fact, what I'll do when we get off the air today, I'll look them up so that we can tell you exactly how far this could go and how bad it could be. I mean, under certain situations, you could see somebody like this actually serving prison time if convicted. I doubt that would be the case because he's got the last name Cuomo. And in political history in New York, there have been a bunch of good Cuomos that have been there. And his brother's an anchor on CNN. So, you know, with Chris Cuomo out there, he's always going to go to bat for his dad. I'm just joking about that. But it could be something serious. Again, it couldn't be something not serious. Uh, I would not just a little bit I know about Attorney General Letitia James and how much she despises Cuomo uh, and Donald Trump, by the way. Um, I could see her just doing something pretty ugly and trying to make him resign, cut a deal with him. Hey, we won't prosecute you criminally if you resign as governor. That would be an interesting scenario. 
We haven't seen the last of this. You can bet it's going to get uglier at some point. And I see a scenario in which Cuomo could possibly voluntarily step down. He obviously knows what he did. He knows what he didn't do. So if if uh, the AG doesn't even come see him, just gets on the phone and says, uh, hey, Andrew, here's the deal. I've got this, 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 and this. And I'm going to make you, I'm going to give you a one-choice option. You either resign or we're going to throw the book at you. He knows what he did. And if it's bad enough and she has the information, he's going to cop a plea. I promise you. He's not a stupid person. I don't think he's real smart. But he's not stupid. In the world of COVID, you remember us talking here about that drug ivermectin? Well, we played a a tidbit for you uh, months ago. Actually, I think it was toward the end of 2020. And it was a video of Dr. Pierre Corey, who's a physician at Aurora St. Luke's Medical Center in Milwaukee. And he went to the National Institutes of Health. That's Anthony Fauci's kingdom. And he went to them to get them to review his study of ivermectin. And ivermectin is a drug that's been around for decades. It's used to treat parasites. But it's proven to be very effective in the treatment around the world, not just here, but of COVID-19. Here's what the doctor said, Dr. Corey said, at the NIH. All I ask is for the National Institutes of Health to review our data that we've compiled of all the emerging data. We have almost 30 different studies. Everyone is reliably and reproducibly positive showing the dramatic impacts of ivermectin. Please, I'm just asking that they review our manuscript. Dr. Corey, he kind of talked about who he is. He says, I'm not just a random doctor who claims to have a COVID cure. I'm just asking, review the data. You know, that science thing. He said instead of trying to develop some expensive new drugs, he and his fellow doctors have spent months focusing on existing repurposed drugs. Uh-oh, you got to watch out. In that category falls that other been around a long time effective drug, hydroxychloroquine. He said ivermectin is proving to have a miraculous impact. And then he added this. I'm going to quote him. And when I say miracle, I do not use that term lightly. I don't want to be sensationalized when I say it. That is a scientific recommendation based on mountains of data that has emerged in the last three months. When I am told that we are touting things that are not FDA or NIH recommended, let me be clear. The National Institutes of Health, their recommendation on ivermectin, which is to not use it outside of controlled trials, is from August 27th. And when he said this, it was in December, three to four months later. Mountains of data have emerged from many centers in countries around the world showing the miraculous effectiveness of ivermectin. It basically obliterates transmission of the virus. If you take it, you will not get sick. Now, that's pretty deep. And that was in testimony from back in December. And guess what? 
It's working. It's working. Go figure. Just like hydroxychloroquine is working in many cases. Go figure. Why, oh, why is the FDA, the CDC, Fauci, and Walensky, why aren't they out doing what they took an oath to do, the Hippocratic Oath, which is to always in honor and in support of the goodness and the health of their patients, do only the things that they know are good for them and will do everything within their power and their knowledge to heal people. In the context of that, why would they not even take a deep dive into these 30 cases that Dr. Corey presented to them back in December? He said, we have 100,000 patients in the hospital right now that are dying. He said, I'm a lung specialist. I'm an ICU specialist. I've cared for more dying COVID patients than anyone can imagine. They're dying because they can't breathe. They can't breathe. And I watch them every day, and they die. By the time they get to me in ICU, they are already dying. They're almost impossible to recover. Early treatment is key. We need to offload hospitals. We are tired. I can't keep doing this. If you look at my manuscript and I have to go back to work next week, any further deaths are going to be needless deaths. And I cannot be traumatized by that. And by the way, he reminded us that the elderly and minorities are dying at higher rates than anyone else. And yet, folks, no mention no mention whatsoever about ivermectin. If you go ask your doctor, your doctor, he may or she may or may not even talk to you about ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. There's something fishy about that. Hydroxychloroquine's been around since the 50s. It's used and been very effective for lupus and other types of uh, autoimmune diseases. We have a close friend who has lupus and has been on hydroxychloroquine for decades, and it works very effectively. And there's something else that just popped into the news this morning. Nearly 400 children have suffered heart inflammation after getting Pfizer vaccines. That number of children having these reactions after Pfizer vaccinations has now reached 397. Now this comes out in that VAERS report. It's on the CDC website. In addition to heart inflammation, 9,246 adverse other side effects, including 14 deaths between December 14 and July 16 for these kids. Should be noted that in one study, it estimates that only 1% of all adverse events are reported. While the emergency licensed drug used as a vaccine could already be injected in those over 16 years of age since December, on May 10th, it was extended to kids between 12 and 15 years of age. And then here comes myocarditis. It occurred after authorization had been granted for this group to get the vaccine. But despite its seriousness, the rule has not been modified and vaccinations continue. 
Myocarditis also affected people of other ages. As of June 9th, VAERS reported more than 600 cases among those aged 30 years or younger. The numbers are much higher than expected. Now, you know, we're getting all these adverse effects, and the CDC is reporting them, but the CDC doesn't talk about them. When they talk about the um, infections that happen in the case of people that have been vaccinated, they're talking about it like, oh, it's just an aberration thing. It's because, oh, yeah, we've got to be careful. The, the virus is morphing again. There's going to be another variant. There's more than that going on, and we're not getting the truth. What are we not hearing? Gosh, obviously, if I knew that, I would certainly tell you. Now, this is nuts, folks. It's just crazy. It's just too much to explain. I mean, 66% of Democrats in a Rasmussen poll, 66% of Democrats believe the vaccinated people should be required to wear a mask just like the unvaccinated. Now, where's the logic in that, folks? Two-thirds of the Democrat Party thinks basically then the vaccine doesn't work. (laughs) We've been vaccinated but we don't think it works. Should people be required to wear masks in public places even if they've been vaccinated for COVID? That was what the pollster asked. Two-thirds of Democrats said yes. (laughs) These are the very same people who assure us that climate change is real. Overall, 45% of those people polled by Rasmussen said yes to a mask mandate. 46% said no. Only 26% of Republicans said, yeah, 66% said no. Of the unaffiliated, 39% said yes. So in context, what this means, more than 163 million Americans are fully vaccinated. Of those 163 million who are vaccinated, only 6,239 have been hospitalized with COVID-19. Only 1,263 have died. Of the vaccinated who have been seriously ill or died, 74% are over 65. Among the vaccinated, only one of 26,000 have gotten seriously ill. Now, these illnesses that we're talking about here, these are reported by the CDC. Now, what does that mean? The CDC doesn't go out and grab information. They get all their data from voluntary sources around the nation, doctors and hospitals and clinics that forward that information to the CDC. Regarding a bunch of the stats the CDC publishes, they tell us the numbers we give should not be looked at as being absolute and conclusive because we're not given nearly the entirety of all of these case reports of illnesses, specific types of illnesses, severity of illnesses, and even deaths. It takes us sometimes months to even get the numbers of the official deaths and causes of deaths from around the nation. There's something not right, folks. There's something not right. And you know this infrastructure bill that's out there, the 2,700-pager, 
There's so much in it that's not infrastructure. They tell us it's a bipartisan infrastructure bill. But guess what else it includes? A bunch of other stuff, but it includes making gender identity as a protected class of Americans under the law. On page 200, uh, excuse me, 2149, here's what it says. No individual in the U.S. may on the basis of actual or perceived race, color, religion, national origin, sex, gender identity, sexual orientation, age, or disability be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any program or any activity that is funded in whole or in part with funds made available to carry out this title. So now we're going to protect anybody. It doesn't matter what they think they are regarding gender. It's up in the air. We can't call you mister. We can't call you miss. We can't call you boy. We can't call you girl. We can't call you man. We can't call you dad. We can't call you mom. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And it's out there, folks. It's absolutely out there. And it is freaky spooky. It really is. But that's the world in which we find ourselves living here. The absolutes. Absolutes are somewhere. They are somewhere. They're really out there. But finding them, getting your arms around them, believing we have the answers, believe we even know a little bit of the truth of what's going on. I don't know, folks. I don't know. They tell me that everything about everything is out there in the vlogosphere somewhere. And it's up to us to go find it. If we're that serious and we really want to know, we're going to dig. We're going to look. We're going to find. Final story on the way out. An elections expert named Seth Keschel has released national fraud numbers from the 2020 election. He finds that 8.1 million excess votes in the United States election, those 8.1 million excess votes affirm, according to him, Trump won Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, and Minnesota. What does that mean? I don't know, folks. What it means is there's factual evidence that's now showing some of the results were bogus. That's a wrap today, folks. You enjoy Tuesday. Again, we're sorry for the beginning and the problems we had. Won't be that way going forward. Have a good Tuesday. See you tomorrow at TNN Live.